Alrighty everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on the 16th of January, 2022. By the time you're listening to this, I will be in well control class learning how to detect circulation issues and prevent kicks. I've actually recorded this episode just a little bit early, so I apologize if any groundbreaking news has been released since then. It's kind of strange to think how far we've come since back in the day when I started working on this podcast. In 2019, I was the new intern responsible for getting the podcast arm of Rare Petro back off the ground. Now, it's 2022, and I'm out in California learning how to be useful in the field. Thanks for joining me in this journey of professional development, as I'm sure you've grown too. But I know you didn't come here to listen to me brag about how I'm becoming a more capable engineer each and every day. You came here to learn all about the biggest news stories and statistics within the world of oil and gas. Let's get into it. First, commodity prices. As of Sunday afternoon, WTI was worth $84 a barrel. It is great that it has not yet fallen below the new $80 floor, unless it has during some Monday volatility, which I am doubtful of. More and more agencies are noting that everyone is continuing to consume more oil at an increasing rate through at least the next two years. Even the EIA mentioned that in their new short-term energy outlook report, but more on that later. The demand for oil has been temporarily suppressed thanks to COVID, but we need to continue to build and grow sooner or later. For example, I was talking with our CEO, Anthony, and he mentioned all the buildings that China built in the past couple of years. Unfortunately, the companies that developed those buildings poured a little too much money into the operation before they were even able to generate returns. So what happens? You demolish the buildings, of course. You can do a quick Google search and find plenty of videos of these massive multi-story buildings just getting straight up dropped to the ground in controlled explosive environments. Think about all that oil that went into building those from harvesting and refining raw materials like concrete and metal, powering all the heavy machinery, to even just transporting the individuals responsible in those construction projects. All that oil consumed for nothing. Clearly, China could not care about effective resource use, and I think that a lot of the world is in the same boat. They claim they want to avoid using these commodities, but the price of WTI continues to go up and up. Natural gas had a brief peak above $4.75 on Thursday, but has since settled in the range of $4.30. If you think that seems crazy high, all you need to do is look across the pond to our friends in Europe who are paying top dollar for the same hydrocarbons. Our supply is pretty steady, and we have the ability to produce enough should the demand require it, but I do think the price of natural gas will continue to rise through the winter. Again, Natural gas is incredibly useful in heating and power generation alone, and everyone is more dependent on the commodity than they will initially give it credit for. Love to see those strong commodity prices. Next up, the rig count. 2022 was off to a rather slow start, but the most recent report clued us into a 13 rig build, bringing us into the 600s for a total of 601 rigs. This is 228 more rigs than we had this time last year, which still blows my mind. That's some pretty incredible growth over time. Most of the success can be attributed to the Eagleford, as they are responsible for six of those rigs, which is usually not the case. We often look to the Permian to see big numbers like that. Then, it was the Haynesville with three, the Marcellus with two, and the Permian actually brought up the rear with one. Every other basin saw minimal change to no change. Unsurprisingly, Texas did the best with seven rigs, Louisiana with three, and Alaska, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia brought up the rear with one. Most of these wells being drilled are horizontal and targeting oil. The offshore environment saw some positivity too, with an extra two wells bringing the total from 14 to 16. 
Great results in two categories so far. Let's see if we can make it three and take a peek at results from the inventory report. Well, you would already know the results if you had read Thirsty Thursday on RarePetro.com. If you didn't get the chance to read it, or for some reason chose not to, then I can get you all caught up real quick. The EIA has been making big predictions in recent weeks, and often overestimating the magnitude of a drawdown, so things were looking bleak when they predicted a drawdown of fewer than 2 million barrels. Surprisingly, the resulting drawdown was more than twice that at 4.5 million barrels. The API made a very similar prediction at just shy of 2 million barrels, but the results were not as desirable. The API's numbers show a drawdown of just barely more than 1 million barrels. The EIA is now 7 weeks deep into its drawdown streak. The past 5 weeks averaged 3.9 million barrels in drawdowns per week, which does seem to be great news. Still, don't get too excited yet because this is a period of time where drawdowns are expected. The real challenge comes at the end of January when we do expect to start building inventories. That will be the make or break moment to set the tone for the rest of 2022. You would imagine that the recent build would have driven those gas prices down significantly, but last week's report showed a 1.6 cent increase on average. This week's change show a three-tenth of a cent price increase. It's likely that the recent builds will influence pump prices in the coming weeks, so fingers crossed for decreased pump prices in next week's report. If the price goes up again, we've got some bigger problems to worry about than weekly builds. Only nine states have average prices lower than $3 per gallon of regular gas. Distillates are expected to build in this time, but they are building much slower than initially anticipated. This commodity is usually pretty good at regulating itself, so there's no cause for immediate concern. Propane continues the downward spiral we expect of it, and it hugs the lower limit of that five-year historical range. So overall, a great week for our statistics. My spirits are lifted, and I hope yours are too. Next, I think we look at that short-term energy outlook from the EIA that I did mention earlier. There were a whole lot of factors considered from economy to politics, so I'll do my best to quickly highlight the most important parts. There are three key aspects to look at. First, they expect global oil consumption will grow another 3.5 million barrels in 2022 and 1.8 million barrels in 2023, bringing it to an estimated consumption level of 102.3 million barrels per day, which is pretty comparable to pre-2020 levels. Next, they predict prices should be up as a yearly average by about $4 from the range of 70 to 74 for Brent specifically. Lastly, they predict U.S. crude production will average 11.8 million barrels per day, up by about 600,000 from 2021, and top out at 12.4 by 2023, which is 100,000 barrels per day more than the previous record set in 2019. That is a lot of information, and it seems to make sense at face value. Consumption goes up, so production goes up, no? Well, how is the U.S. going to reach record levels of production if prices are only going up by another $4 or so in the next year? The current political climate is not set up to support a great growth in domestic oil production. All of that and WTI prices are supposed to go up only slightly? The information certainly seems a bit contradictory. I agree that consumption will increase, but we have for months talked about all the factors that will make increasing U.S. production challenging. The price is going to have to climb quite a bit higher to create an environment where people can drill, complete, and make money. Just some food for thought, but I do encourage you to look at that report. The EIA is home to some great data, and you should draw your own conclusions from the numbers that they present. It's been a while since we've taken a look at the European energy crisis, so let's do that. 
Some new data suggests that the U.S. is doing most of the heavy lifting. The EU's imports of natural gas from the U.S. is five times higher than the Russian gas supply. Russia certainly has the capacity to service a much larger portion of Europe's gas needs, but their gas deliveries are much lower than usual for the time of year, which is especially strange considering that they could be making a whole lot of money by servicing that need. Sure, the price would fall a bit, but the sheer magnitude of gas delivered would be enough to be an incentive for Russia. The biggest possible reason in this situation lies in Russia's Nord Stream 2 pipeline that, you know, was fully constructed but is still not yet online. Claiming that you are struggling to meet gas demand is a great way to incentivize the rest of Europe to support bringing it online. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about a small country by the name of Kosovo. People in the country were protesting the government, well, a number of reasons they were protesting, but fuel prices were a huge factor for many of those protests. The government would love to calm civil unrest by bringing more hydrocarbons in, although affording them in the first place would be an issue, but other countries aren't even in the position to sell them the supplies. They need to keep their own heads above water. So instead, Kosovo hired Russian peace officers to deal with the situation. If Russia plays its cards right, many people will be in the streets complaining about high fuel prices all over Europe, and political leaders will have no choice but to grant access to the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Russia's biggest bargaining chip will always be its ability to supply energy to those who demand it. They have been found guilty in past years of artificially inflating prices by limiting the supply of gas they deliver to other countries, so it could be no different in this case. If Russia plays its cards right, Nord Stream 2 could gain a whole lot of support in the future and be approved in as soon as months. If not, they can repeat this strategy year after year until there is no other choice. A large portion of the world is looking to cease hydrocarbon exploration and production. Either way, someone will have to meet the demand, and I think Russia would be more than happy to. It's sort of dark and foreboding story, I know, but that is where we will close out the episode. If you didn't quite get your news fix, I encourage you to go to our website, www.rarepetro.com, to find more resources. We've got new content coming out almost every day, so you might as well make it a part of your daily routine. A little birdie told me that an app should be coming in the future to make learning about the world of energy even easier, so keep your ears to the ground. Go ahead and follow this podcast, and other than that, you can send any questions you have to podcast at rarepetro.com so that we can address them in a future episode. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.